Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. We're in a series at the moment called Love My Community. And I'm going to pick up following last Sunday's sermon from Pastor Brett. And at the end of the day, we must understand we are called to love, aren't we? We're called to love. We're called to love. Sometimes love ain't always easy. Is that just me? And who are we called to love? We're called to love not just those that are right next to us or those that might be easy to love, but once we subscribe to follow Jesus Christ, we don't just follow a set of teachings it's not a subscription though it is a subscription to some teachings he actually comes to live in dwell with dine with us and he lives through us in fact the kingdom of God is within us we heard Bob croak for those that were here encounter on Friday night he just mentioned the kingdom of God is wherever you go so profound that the kingdom of God lives within us and where we go so goes the kingdom everywhere that our foot would tread, we take the kingdom with us. And so understanding that, Jesus addresses what love could look like. And who do we love? And so we're going to read from Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 36. There's also a reference in Matthew chapter 5, but I'm not going to go there today. Just from Luke chapter 6, verse 27, Christ Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies. Everybody say that word, love. Love your enemies. Very important. Do good to those who do good to you. Do good to those who hate you. Amen or ouch. Okay. Bless those who bless you. Bless those who curse you. I don't know. I don't like where this is going, Lord. Pray for those who pray for you. Pray for those who abuse you. Have you ever been abused before? Pray for them. Have you ever been cursed before? Bless them. Have you ever been hated before? Do good to those people. To those that are at enmity with you, love them. Verse 29, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also and from the one who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic either. Verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you. I don't know what to do with that one. Give to everyone who be- I'm going to check the I'm going to check the Greek on that one. And from one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. What kind of crazy world is he trying to frame here? And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Okay, that I can, that, that's a bit easier for me. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back 
the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Here's a promise. Here's a promise. Jesus puts the call out there. He puts the challenge. He puts the command, actually. These aren't options. It's commands. But there's a promise at the end of it. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even, as your Father is merciful. What's he talking about here? He's talking about a transactional love. He's saying, look, my people love as I do, not in a way that's transactional. Not in a way that I will love only if I get something in return. Or I will only love if I've got something in the first place. It's not transactional. Jesus is establishing some values here in accordance with how his kingdom operates. If we love and expect something in return, we're really just dealing in a worldly business transaction. That's all that's actually taking place here. And Jesus is saying, you live differently. It might seem a little bit inconvenient or uncomfortable at the time, but there is a promise that far outweighs what you may get in the here and the now. It's a far more eternal setup. How do we do it? How do we live this way? How do we live this love out, this crazy, ridiculous kind of love? How can we take this love to those around us? How do we love each other in this community like that? How do we love those kinds of people where we live? The people that are around about us. How do we do that? Well, we can only do it with God. It has to be God. Without God, this is impossible. It's purely impossible. Check out Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. It says this, Hope doesn't put us to shame because... God's love has been poured into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Love has been poured into our hearts. That's where the love comes from. There's only so much love that I can give you. I, I run out. I'll be honest with you. If I'm really tired and I'm in a stinky mood, you look at me the wrong way, I'll be judging you in my heart. I'm, I want to be straight with you. I'll, I'll be thinking about 57 ways to slap you up the side of the head because I, I'm flawed. I am still working out this sin thing in me, right? But with God, how much, how much love does God have? Endless, which means as I am plugged into an endless love supply, I can have an endless outflow. There is an infilling of love for an outpouring of love. But if I'm disconnected from the source, if I don't just tap into the Holy Spirit, then that's going to dry up. Amen? Or ouch? Love, therefore, is a trait of every believer. It's a mark. Jesus says, they will know that you are my disciples by your Love for one another. Not because you rock up on a Sunday morning. 
They will know by your, that you're my disciples, not because you pray in front of people on the street corners, not just by your philanthropic endeavors and giving to poor people. These are all good things. But Jesus says, by your love for one another. So let's go now to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to see the Holy Spirit and love in action now. Are you ready? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Following one from last week. Verse 41. We're going to read through to verse 47. When you're there, say, I'm there. Are you looking at the screens and you're saying it? Okay. You little cheaters. This here right now is the birth of the church, what we're about to read. It's not just Jesus and his disciples doing great things. This is where there was a massive explosion. Something happened now that had never happened happened before check this out verse 41 so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about three thousand souls that day in one day three thousand people came to faith i get excited when one person gets saved when 10 50 100 about 3,000 in one day. Some, something happened here. But then let's look at the onflow. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We're going to break bread together at the end of the service. We're going to have some communion. Get ready for that. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. This is crazy. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is radical. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. All the people around, they had favor. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So here we see a few things. We see a spiritual impartation. We see a personal reformation. And then we see practical application. What was it that brought this about? What was unique about these people that caused these amazing things to happen? Signs and wonders, awe and reverence on the people. What was it? Selling possessions. What was that? It was God. It was the Holy Spirit. We're in Acts chapter 2. It was the Holy Spirit who came upon the people. The Holy Spirit came. It was the Holy... We can't do it without it. We need it. The church can't explode without the Holy Spirit. People can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. We don't get to see these sorts of things without the Holy Spirit. If you're taking 
notes, write this down. Pursue a holy invasion. Pursue a holy invasion because the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. What does a holy invasion look like? It's not just a, I love you, Lord. It's, Lord, I need you. I need you to fill me because I know you want to. And as you fill me, I know that things happen. I know that when you touch me, I know that when you, when you shake me, when you move me, things happen. There is always fruit on the tree once the Holy Spirit taps those roots. And that's what happened right here. The Holy Spirit filled his people and we saw people from all different parts of the world. Keep that in mind. There were people, they came from different parts of the world. Check out Acts chapter 2. They had different ages. They had different cultural backgrounds. They had different expectations, ideas about God. But it says that they all came together. They were in one accord. It's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. How can we look out in this room and look at all these beautiful faces? Most of you are beautiful. Hey, the Holy Spirit's here. We're together. Don't worry. We're from different backgrounds, different countries, different ages, but there's something that brings us together. It's the Holy Spirit. It's it's not our differences that bring us together. It's it's a person. It's Jesus. And the Holy Spirit draws us to gaze upon, appreciate, and honor His majesty. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and does all of this. So who does the Holy Spirit want to fill? Every single one of us. And He wants to do it again and again and again and again. And again, my mum's here. When I was a kid, I would hear my mum pray in the spirit. I remember I was about four or five years old one time in Broken Hill. She's trying to make me pray in tongues with this preacher that was there. I remember it felt like two hours trying to get me to pray in tongues. And so I grew up in an environment where the Holy Spirit was in our home. And I could see it. I could sense that I'd be in church services and I'd see God I would see a byproduct or the fruit of God doing something in people. So I knew from a young age that the Holy Spirit was a real person. That something was there. Something, something was out of the ordinary. Remember, he's a Holy Spirit, not just another spirit. He's a Holy Spirit. He does holy things. But what I found is that as I encountered the Holy Spirit at times, what would start off as a great effort in discipline and great rhythm with God could at times turn into religiosity. Sometimes that what, that's what happens in our rhythm and our walk with God is that things turn into religion. We just go through the motions. Have you ever just got, you felt like I'm just going through the motions here. I'm just going through the motions. What, what was once good becomes habit and it could be a good habit but then we lose that sense of reality that freshness that's in there am i the only one staleness can creep in professionalism can creep in that's one of the the biggest challenges for me see because i get financially supported to be a pastor part of the expectation of my role is that 
I teach the word of God. I preach the word of God. I model the word of God. And I've got to remember, hang on, before anything else, I am a son of God. And I've got to be careful about professionalism. Beware of professional Christianity. We are sons and daughters first and foremost. But what keeps us fresh is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the often forgotten member of the Trinity. A number of years ago, I made a discipline as part of my devotion to pray in the Spirit for at least one hour every day. And I did it weeks, became many weeks, became months and then a number of months. And then after about 13 months, I'd felt that I was just doing it. It was a good thing for me to do, but I was becoming stale. Something that was a good spiritual discipline started to become stale in me. And I just felt like the Lord say, stop it. So I still pray in tongues. In fact, every day, as long as I can remember, I pray in the spirit every single day. But there was a discipline that started off as fresh and healthy and good and vibrant. I had potentially replaced a freshness with God with a religious activity. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Coming to church on a Sunday is a good thing to do, but never replace a walk with God, a fresh relationship with God with a religious activity. In the same way, you can also pick up your Bible and just do it because of religious activity. Does that mean you shouldn't do it if you have got a bad attitude? No, do it, but get your attitude worked out. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can keep things fresh because we can read our Bibles, we can come to church and still miss Jesus in the process. You know that, don't you? We can still miss Jesus. Jesus is like, hello, I'm knocking on the door, let me in. Hello. So may we pursue a holy invasion again. Maybe you've never actually fully encountered the Holy Spirit. Maybe today's your day. Let him come and invade your personal space. Because when he does, we see great things happen as we have in the Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers all came upon not just some of the souls, but every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Keep in mind, when it says they were together, it doesn't mean they were together in the same place. It doesn't mean they met together. That comes later. It says they were together. They were of one accord, it says, and had all things in common. There was a unity. This is another great fruit of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit brings us together. We have things in common. As we pursue him, the spirit brings us, gels us, and unites us. This is a beautiful fruit that comes as part of the kingdom. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Why would they do that? Why would they sell their possessions? But what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. And that's what the world tells me. I've worked hard for this. I've saved long for this. Well, that's not what happened here. I find that very challenging. But this is what happened. This is what we see take place. There was a surrender 
to a deep transformation. There was a surrender. That's a key word for us. Surrender to deep transformation. Why should we do that? Because the Holy Spirit wants to shape you. These people that we read about, they were not always like this. This was not part of their culture. But once they inherit a culture, a kingdom culture, they walk that through and they start to do silly things like help each other, like love one another. And to what extent though? Because we got, we, we got to put our limitations around us to be safe. No. They sold what they had. So that no one was in need. This is crazy. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with everyone around, all the people. And then the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now, if we look to this passage, which I have done, and I think, well, see, if, 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 if I just got together with believers every day, then this would happen. If I just created a sense of awe, then this would happen. If I just did communion every day, well, this would happen. No, those things came about because the Holy Spirit invaded their personal space. When the Holy Spirit invades, then those things happen. So I get it. It's important for us to get together. Who wants to live like the Acts 2? Church. Yeah. Who would like church every day? No, no hands that time. No hands that time. Let's try, let's try and make it to once a week first, okay? And then we'll shoot for once a week. Okay. But see, when the Holy Spirit grips us, all of a sudden our priorities shift. Remember when we first got saved, when we first had that 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 deep revelation of Jesus? When what was the joy that oozed? What was the excitement that came forward? What about the passion? Things just seem to look different, smell different. It was just so different. I want to live in that space. I want to live in my first love. That's where I want to stay. At times we wane from our first love. At times we go into stalemate. At but Lord, bring me by your spirit to a place of love. I need your love so that I can be empowered and motivated to love those that are around me. He transforms us. He shapes us. He changes us. And love looks quite different. What does love look like? Practically, what does love look like? Have you ever had someone tell you, I love you? And then you say, yeah, as if. I don't see it at the moment. Don't tell me you love me if you're not going to show it. 1 Corinthians 13. We often hear these words at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. If you want to know what love looks like, right there. That's what love looks like. Spelled out pretty clearly. I struggle with them at times. I'll be honest with you. But love in its fullness can be seen so clearly in Christ Jesus. Because God is love. Let's replace those words, love, with Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. 
Jesus doesn't envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus doesn't insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Jesus rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Can you see a connection there? He doesn't say Jesus is all those things, but it helps interpret what love could look like for us. So look to Jesus. Let his spirit show you a different way. Transformation comes in us, repels us into the realm of love. Last week, we had some people getting baptized. Wasn't it a great service last week? Yeah. There's a guy, a new friend of mine. You saw him get baptized. His name's Mike. Mike Hague. He's not here today, is he? He's not here. I had coffee with him recently, and um, I just to see how he's changed, even the last couple of months that he's been coming. He's come back to faith. He was brought up in a Christian home, a Christian environment. I met his parents last week. They were proud as punch. I was talking to him. I said, you know, never underestimate your prayers for your son over the many years. And maybe that's a word for some of you. Never let go. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. God hears you. God hears you. And so Mike Haig shared with me over coffee a little while ago how he, he wasn't walking with Christ for a number of years, but he had a friend named Daniel who was there in the background and was just there, loved him, encouraged him. And have a guess who Mike turned to when he wanted to get right with God. It was the guy that was there in the background. Never underestimate your loving stand or your loving presence with anyone that's around you. Don't underestimate. And to see Mike's transformation, he said, I don't care anymore. This is a new chapter for me. There's a change that's taken place. Maybe you yourself have once been hostile with God and there's been a dramatic change because the Holy Spirit has come. Candace Wren was telling me uh, recently about the time she, was, she used to be hostile toward God before she was saved. She would get angry when people used to hand out pamphlets to her. Candace was recounting at one time on a bus, she got really upset with someone that handed out a pamphlet to her. But what happened was she had a relative, a cousin, who came to faith in Christ. And through her, through her example and through her leadership, have a guess what? The person that was hostile to God became friends with God. Never underestimate your stand or your presence with those around you. What does love look like? You've got Jesus. You've got him in your heart. Let him out. Just let him out. Let him out. I was driving the other day with uh, Bunny Lim and uh, there was a neighbor near Bunny's house. We pulled up and there was something, some Christmas lights that I just had to stop and look at. We both did. We got out of the car. Can I show a picture, please? I love this. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? We drove past. We stopped and said to the lady, are you a Christian? She goes, yes, of course. We went out. When we came back, we got out of the car. They were all inside at this time. And I'm inspecting that thing. I'm going, I reckon I could do that. I want to make that. This is a lady at home, lives by herself with her three kids. She made that by herself. And I'm inspecting it. And then she comes out and we have a chin wag. And then she's talking to us for about 20, 30 minutes. Start sharing her story. 
she used to be hostile to God. But God's done something different. Now the love she has in her heart for her community, she says, I just want something like that. I want to cross out there so everyone around here in my neighborhood knows the love of Christ. Her story is quite amazing. She was sharing just in brief. It's amazing what God can do with a surrendered soul. When the Holy Spirit invades someone's heart, how things get changed, shuffled, shifted dramatically. Never underestimate even something like that. When God marks your soul, put up something like lights in the shape of a cross. 2020, Billy Graham Association put out a stat and they said 80% of all new converts come to Christ through a friend. 80%. That means out of every five people that first come to faith for the first time, four of them are through someone that they know. Four of them out of the five. 80%. So then I I take that personally this morning as I see that stat. I'm thinking, I wonder how many of my friends are just waiting for me to tell them about Jesus. How many people in my neighborhood where I live, how many people in my family that I see once or twice or thrice a year are just waiting for me to talk to them about the love of God found in Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit comes. He wants to fill and then the Holy Spirit comes. And then he shapes, he changes, he transforms. In fact, he reforms us to something even more beautiful than before. But he also then wants to use us. The Holy Spirit wants to use you. So I encourage you, love beyond any personal limitation that you may have. Love beyond any personal limitation you have. In our neighborhood, I've been trying to make an intentional effort with the neighbors. We've got a great park near where we live. The girls love going there. The ki- all the kids get together. They play. They ride their bikes and their scooters and they get all dirty in the sand. And then I get upset when they bring it all inside. But I enjoy having chinwags with the neighbors. And I really do. I'm starting to grow in my love after all this time living there. In my love and appreciation for all of the neighbors that are there as I'm just getting to know them a little bit better. So, um, not that long ago, in a park near us, there, uh, there was some people that were coming and they were a bit shonky. They were coming early in the morning, they're coming every night, twice a day, minimum, day after day after day. Now, I didn't think too much of it until the neighbors actually came and told me. They said, you know what's going on here, don't you? I said, what? They said, oh, they're up to some no good. Because the family show, let's just say there was exchanging of goods for um, bags of things. And it was <laughs> tomato leaves, sure. And so I said, really? They said, yeah. And as we start, I said, how often do they come? When do they come? Bam, 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 bam. And I'll, hang on. Our kids play right there. They said, yes. They said, don't worry. This number's taking photos. That number house is taking notes. They're all talking. I'm like, oh, how, so you guys have all been talking about this? Yeah, yeah, we have. I'm like, okay. 
anyone contacted the police? Yeah, we've called the police, but they don't, they don't come. They don't do anything. I'm like, okay. Has anyone talked to them? Talk to this. They said, what are I talking about? I thought I'd just go talk to them. If it's going to be, it's up to me, right? You know, what, have I done, what have I done here? So I said, okay, next time you see them there, please let me know. I'll just go have a chat to them. That's my community. So uh, we're driving. I was, I was just about to drive out somewhere and then the neighbor said, hey, they're here. They're here. I'm like, really? Okay, great. I'll go have a chat. So I went and sat down with two guys sitting at a table. We might need to take this off the podcast. Like, I said, fellas, how are you? They looked at me. Red eyes and said, yeah, we're good, mate. I said, listen, I'll have a chat to you. Yeah, what's up? I said, just want to let you know, boys. I'm on your side here. But everyone around here is talking and they know what's going on. They said, yeah? I said, yeah. They're taking notes on you. Number plates of the cars that are coming. They've contacted the police. They're taking photos of you guys. You probably want to make a change. They said, oh, I said, if I were you, I'd move on. He says, okay, thanks for that. They haven't come back since. Probably moved on to a park near you. <laughs> You're welcome. Why do I do that? I love where I live. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Can't count on anyone else. I've got to do something. Right? That's what love does. It moves us. It propels us. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to use you. See, in my situation now, um, now a lot of the neighbors like me even more now. They're getting saved in Jesus' name. But what does God want to use you for? I'm all for baking. I'm all for baking cakes for the next door neighbors. That they're good things, but maybe it's a bit more than that. Maybe it's a bit more than that in your neighborhood where you live. What does love look like for you? What is God moving you to do? How is He propelling you? Or maybe you put limitations around what you can and can't do, what you should and should not do. Here's an example. Where's Rona? We got the. This is what we can do, right? Very practical. We put up these limitations around us to why we should not love or why we should not let the Holy Spirit lead us. We, we, we come up with we come up with reasons, even godly reasons. So uh, we might have, let's say, oh, um, here's, here's fear. I, I'm afraid of what might happen to me. We, we might have um, we might have unforgiveness. In our hearts, we're holding on to unforgiveness because of something in the past or because of what someone has said or done. We, we might have um, bitterness or resentment, busyness, tiredness. And what we do is we hedge ourselves in thinking we're protecting ourselves, but we're limiting ourselves. What if the Holy Spirit wants you to do something? you're too cozy and safe and comfortable. Because we're basing our Christianity on convenience. That perhaps the Holy Spirit will only think and act 
speak to us on a Sunday because that's our God day. What if he wants to fill you always, to transform you always, to move you always? And he says, just just get rid of those bollards. Get rid of those limitations. Maybe you fenced yourself in and he's saying, bring down those fences. Because if we read on in the Acts of the Apostles, read the next chapter, chapter 3. Do you know what we see? We see a couple of disciples. They're on their way to a 3 o'clock in the afternoon prayer meeting. And there's a guy that's there. He's a cripple. And he's there begging for money. And do you know what happens? Peter says, look, I, I don't have any money for you. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he lifts him up. He does. Peter does not say, I'm sorry, I'm on the way to a church prayer meeting. And this is what it happened. And, and until I get there, God's not going to do anything. No, he says, hang on a second. On the way there, there's a guy. And I tell you what, boldness. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many times God says to me to do that for others and I am limited by my own thinking, my own boundaries, my own safety. We read on after that, after, the, after that cripple starts to walk again, full of joy, jumping and leaping and praising God. Great song there. But then what happens is Peter talks boldness the need for repentance with boldness what that is love that's what love looks like the whole of chapter 2 and chapter 3 the word love is not mentioned once and yet it is extraordinarily loving for what took place the first sermon that peter gives cut them to the heart talks about the wrath of god and repentance that's incredibly loving. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to speak the truth right down the line. Because that's how people get saved. That's how we see three people, 3,000 people get saved. That's the love of God manifest right there. That's how we see a cripple start to walk again or people saved later. As we read on the Acts of the Apostles, amazing things take place. But may we not put limitations on the Holy Spirit to not just pour his love into us, but pour his love from us. Love and unity is so important to God, brought about by the Holy Spirit, that when we take communion together, he actually addresses it. Paul addresses it. God addresses it through Paul. And corrects some bad behaviors that are taking place. Can I read there before we take communion? If we can, can we get the um, the emblems distributed in just a moment? But in the following instructions, I don't commend you now because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. Okay, so he's 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 being pretty direct here. 
For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What's happening here? The disciples would have these big communion feasts called love feasts. Massive, big meals. And there were people from all over coming. Some wealthy, some impoverished. And what Paul's saying is here, hang on, communion brings us together. Because of the work of the cross and the power of the Spirit, we are brought together in communion. The very reason that we're coming together is because of love. In this community, Paul's saying there needs to be love. But as you are partaking, you are excluding some. You are reducing others to be on the sidelines. Some people are missing out and they're going home hungry. And so Paul is saying, what is the point of this? You guys have got to get yourself sorted out. The very purpose for communion is to get around Jesus and let the Holy Spirit continue to unite us, showing itself through action, through preference, through sacrifice, through service. This morning, we're going to finish with communion. We're going to remember God. We're going to remember His love. And I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And we say, Holy Spirit, where there is a lack of love, may your love now come. Where I've set up limitations, hindrances, boundaries, fences that are unhealthy and unwarranted, Lord, would you please help me to bring them down in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you in the only name that matters, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the act of love that we were shown and that we now have in what happened on that cross. Lord, right now in this moment, we take just a couple of minutes to wait on you, to hear from you. We need your love to fill our heart. We need your love to flow from our hearts and lord where there are hindrances would you speak to us would you show us lead us into repentance we ask as we continue to wait as you feel led feel free to take communion take the bread remembering broken body take the juice Remembering the blood that was lost for you and I.
covenant of grace that we have in him. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.